Well, several, several years ago, um, Brother Nate and his wife Christy came to our church on deputation to go uh, to, to Canada, up into Newfoundland, and we're thankful for all that God has done. Of course, he's, he's redirected them in some instances uh, in their ministry there, but God has used them to do great work in a, and really an, an off-the-beaten-path kind of place. And we're very thankful for their faithful service for Christ. So let's get our Bibles ready, and Brother Nate's going to come, and he's got some things to share. I think their, their family's going to sing, and he's going to preach for us. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Well, it's great to be back here at Pickerington Baptist Temple and uh, to see you all again. I believe we were here in 2015, I think, but uh, we appreciate so much your faithful prayers for us and your support, your partnership with us as we serve the Lord in Newfoundland and Labrador for the past seven years. And um, we truly appreciate your heart for missions and uh, all that you do as, as a partner with us. And uh, we, we enjoy being able to be an extension of your ministry in Canada. Uh, we're back home on a short furlough for a couple months, about three and a half months, um, just on a brief furlough visiting some of our supporting churches and um, headed back up there in August. The first week of August is when we're going to go back to Newfoundland. Newfoundland is a, um, it's the easternmost province in Canada. It's as far east as you can go and still be in North America. And it's an island off the east coast there. Uh, I told somebody a few weeks ago at a church I was in, I said, we live on an island. And they said, well, that must be warm and, you know, sunny. And I said, well, it's cold. It's rocky. It's not sunny. It's not like a, you think, you, you know, think, oh, you're a missionary to an island, but it's not like that. <laughs> it's cold. It's cold physically and it's cold spiritually. And um, there are about half a million people in Newfoundland and only a handful of Bible preaching churches. And um, you're, you'll see more about what we've been doing over the last seven years in our video in just a moment. But uh, right now, for the past three years, we've been working in a small town called Carboneer. And we are working to revitalize and rebuild Cornerstone Baptist Church. It's a small uh, church, just a handful of mostly older folks. And our focus right now is on reaching new people in the community, reaching some families, uh, reaching kids. And uh, we're, we're um, doing a lot of that type of outreach right now. In small towns in Newfoundland, if you're not from there, you are what they call a come from a ways. That means you came from somewhere that was away from there. And we are come from a ways to the people that live there. And so we are outsiders. And um, uh, because of that, we have, we, it takes a lot of time to gain people's trust and build relationships and befriend people as we try to reach them for Christ. And so it's, it's slow, it's difficult, but we've seen God doing uh, amazing things there in Newfoundland. Um, in the past few years, since we've been in the location we are now, um, so several new people have begun attending our services. And then just in the past couple of months, um, uh, three adults joined the membership of the church. And uh, that was a great blessing. They're the first new members in many years uh, at this church. And so uh, that is a blessing. Um, a few weeks ago, I heard from the preacher who's filling in for us. And he said on a Sunday night, maybe three or four weeks ago, um, uh, someone who attends our church occasionally walked in and they brought a friend with them. And uh, he was able to speak to this man after the service and he trusted Christ as his savior. And uh, it was a great blessing to hear that. And we'll be, uh, of course, trying to follow up with him when we get back. I don't even know who the man is, but uh, we're trying to meet him and, and uh, see, see the Lord continue to work in his heart and life. 
Let me give a couple of quick prayer requests and then we'll watch the video. Um, pray for us as we travel many miles on furlough, uh, visiting supporting churches. Um, we've got a full schedule meetings right up until the pretty much the first week of August when we head back. And um, pray for our church folks in Newfoundland to continue faithfully as we are gone. Um, I've got a couple of folks uh, filling filling in at the ministry there for us, uh, taking turns, and uh, just pray for them. Um, pray also that God would provide funds to replace our family vehicle. Uh, we're having some issues with that and uh, need to get that replaced soon. Most of all, please pray that God would do a great work in hearts and lives. As I said, it's a, it's a spiritually cold place. People are very friendly, but they are also very deeply rooted in their tradition. And uh, it, it's hard to uh, get them to even consider spiritual things sometimes. And uh, just because they think, well, I'm okay because I'm, I'm religious or my parents were religious or things like that. But pray that God would soften the hearts of people towards the gospel and that he would use us to, to see people trust Christ and add it to the church. Please grab one of our uh, prayer cards off the display table in the entryway there before you leave. Pray for us. We need your prayers very much. And uh, if you have any questions about our ministry, we'd love to answer those for you after the service. And uh, again, thank you so much for your, your heart for missions. Thank you for making an investment in eternity. Um, people who have trusted Christ in Canada over the last seven years, they are fruit abounding to your account because of your part in our ministry. And we pre appreciate so much your prayers, your partnership, and your support as we serve the Lord there. Let's watch the video at this time. After Paul finished his first missionary journey, the Bible says that when they had come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. We are the Minion family, and we want to share with you some of what God has done in Newfoundland and Labrador over the past seven years. Because of your faithful prayers and partnership with us, the gospel has gone out and people have come to Christ. After finishing deputation in May of 2016, we moved to Goose Bay, Labrador, where we immediately began to assist the Dinsmore family at the church plant. Shortly after arriving in Labrador, we began to repair and renovate a building that had just been given to the church. We began to hold many different outreaches, day camps, and do discipleship with a small group of people. During one of our weekend teen outreaches, my wife was able to lead two teen girls to the Lord, and a third trusted Christ on the following day. A number of young people trusted Christ during our day camps and some of their families also began to come to special services and hear the gospel as well. After I preached a Christmas program, a lady who was there went home and prayed to trust Christ as her Savior. During the winter, we were able to use the hill behind the church for community activity days. We use these as opportunities to meet new people and invite them to services and give them gospel tracts. The church in Labrador continues to do well under the ministry of the Dinsmore family. After a year and a half in Labrador, God had other plans for us. We were facing some ongoing immigration challenges, 
And in order to be qualified for permanent residence in Canada, we had to be sponsored by a more established church. God led us to move to the other end of the province to the city of St. John's, Newfoundland. And we began to assist at First Baptist Church and they began to sponsor us for our immigration needs. The Lord used us in many different ways during our time there. We were involved in youth ministry, music, preaching, discipleship, and outreach ministries. Here are some highlights from that time. We saw a number of young people trust Christ at different vacation Bible schools that we held. I had a unique opportunity to preach the gospel to more than 400 people at an open air memorial service at the cemetery. For a number of years, we were able to hold a Bible study on the campus of the local university. It was a great blessing to be able to impact a number of students there for Christ. One student who was already saved, he left the university and went to Bible college to begin to prepare for ministry. My wife began a ministry to mothers with young children, and that gave her some great opportunities to share the gospel with them. When COVID began in 2020, we were able to put all of our services online. And one blessing that came out of that difficult time was that a teenager was watching our services online. And after watching one of the services, she called to let us know that she had trusted Christ as her savior. We greatly enjoyed our time at First Baptist Church it was a time of personal growth for our family, and the church was a tremendous help with our immigration needs. After spending countless hours completing stacks of paperwork, we finally received our permanent residence in Canada. It was a huge answer to prayer. In May 2020, I was asked to help a small struggling church located an hour away in a town called Carbonaire. Every weekend for the next year, we drove back and forth and worked at both churches. Once we received our permanent residence and no longer needed to be sponsored by First Baptist, God directed us to move to Carbonier. Carbonier is a small town of about 5,000 people, but it services all the towns in our area, which includes about 30,000 people. It is a hard place to minister, and we are learning the importance of building relationships and earning trust within the community. We are working to revitalize this church. Our efforts have focused on encouraging the small group of believers that remains and also trying to reach out to some new families. We have seen some success in building relationships with folks and in the past few months we have seen some great things begin to happen. We have new kids from outside our church coming to our kids programs and several of their families have attended special services from time to time. One young boy trusted Christ as his savior last year and I believe some of the other kids are close to trusting Christ as well. God has blessed our efforts, and although the work is often slow and difficult, we praise the Lord for the growth that he has given. Just in the past few months, we were able to have two baptisms, and three other adults have joined the church. These are the first new members in many years. We are so excited to see the Lord building his church. We look forward to seeing how God will continue to use us in Carbonier as we work to revitalize and build up Cornerstone Baptist Church. There is a great need for more laborers in Canada and around the world. Would you pray about your part in missions, whether it be in Canada, another part of the world, or even right here where you live? Everyone can do something to reach someone with the gospel. Everyone can pray, most can give, and some can go. Jesus said, I will build my church, 
but he uses you and I to put feet to the gospel and to give a voice to the good news that Jesus saves. Thank you so much for partnering with our ministry. Because of your sacrificial giving and prayers, many people's lives have been impacted for eternity. You are a vital part of our ministry. Thank you so much for striving together with us for the faith of the gospel as we preach Christ. We truly appreciate your faithful prayers and partnership with our family and with our ministry in Newfoundland. God bless. At this time, I'm going to have Vera and Emma come, and they're going to sing, Be Thou My Vision. Let's take our Bibles this evening and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I want to look at a passage that was personal to the Apostle Paul as he preached the gospel and he did the work that God had called him to do. Um, Paul, of course, faced many obstacles in his ministry, but he recognized it was a great privilege to serve the Lord. And as Paul did his work, uh, he realized that God had called him to do something. So he did that for the Lord, and as he did that, he depended on God's help to do God's work. Each one of us is called to do something for God, too. And it might be different than what God called the Apostle Paul to do, but we can all do something to serve the Lord. In this passage, we see a great uh, challenge to not only serve the Lord, but also to trust Him for His help as we do God's work. Let's start reading here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 1. It says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. 
Let's open in a word of prayer this evening. Dear Heavenly Father, as we look into your word now, I pray that you would help us to um, see what you have for us. Help us to understand that we can all do something to serve you and to point others to Christ. And as we do that, we must depend upon your help to do so. And I pray you both challenge us and encourage us with these things tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing we see in this passage is that we must recognize our ministry. Recognize our ministry. Notice in verse number one, it says we have this ministry. Now, as Paul is writing this, of course, God had given Paul a specific ministry as an apostle and a, a church planter, but God has given to every one of us who know Christ as our Savior, God's given each one of us a responsibility to serve Him. Now, the word ministry means to serve, to serve others, to serve God, and God has a ministry of some kind that each one of us can do for the Lord. Now, God has given each one of us different abilities, unique abilities, unique opportunities, unique talents that we can use to serve the Lord and serve others. God has gifted some people to teach and preach. Others may be gifted to work with their hands and build things. Some are gifted musically. Others may be gifted to uh, relate well with people. Some are gifted to have a special ministry of prayer or to organize things or to uh, do any number of things. But the point is that every Christian can do something to serve the Lord. Every Christian can do something to serve others. And none of those things that we do in service for God are necessarily more important or less important than the other because they're all ministry. Ministry is anything we do to serve the Lord. Ministry is not just what the pastor does or, or the Sunday school teacher or the missionary, but ministry is anything that any of us who know Christ do for the Lord. Um, Jesus said even a cup of cold water that's given in the name of Christ is, is something that we can do for others. And even a, a small thing, a simple thing that we might easily forget, we gave somebody a cup of water when they were thirsty, but it's ministry. It's something that we can do. Uh, and, and so each one of us needs to use the time, the abilities, the resources that God has given to us to, to serve Him and to serve others. The ministry that we have began when we trusted Christ as our Savior, but it can continue for a lifetime. Um, and we can continue that, that ministry because of God's mercy. Notice again in verse number 1, it says, Seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy we faint not. God gives us his mercy to help us keep going as we serve him. This ministry comes with a divine enabling, and that is the mercy of God, so that we don't have to faint. Um, we don't have to give up. We don't have to give in. God will help us as we use our abilities to serve him and serve others. Ministering and serving God, at times, it is difficult, but we should not view it as just a burden we should view it as a privilege, as an opportunity. We get to serve the King of Kings. We get to serve the Lord of Lords. We get to point other people to Christ and impact others for the Lord. And we need to have a positive attitude towards serving God and serving others. It's not just a burden, but it can be a blessing. Each one of us needs to consider the question, how can I use my abilities to serve the Lord? How can I use my time? to serve the Lord? How can I use my resources to serve the Lord? How can I use my life to serve the Lord? God has a purpose for each one of us, and we must find that purpose, find that opportunity that we can have to serve God, and as we do that, depend on the mercy 
of God as we serve him. If we're going to be involved in serving the Lord, we must, first of all, recognize our ministry because we can all have a ministry of some kind. Number two, we must reveal our message. Reveal our message. We know that we should serve the Lord. So how can we do that? There are many different ways we can serve God. Um, but in this passage, I believe we find the, the, the most important way of serving God, and that is to reveal the message of the gospel. We must take the word of God and hold it up before a lost and dying world. In verse 2, we find two ways that we can reveal the message. And it's through how we speak our words, but it's also through how we live our testimony. Verse number 2 says this, But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully. And that simply means we should not take the scriptures and twist it to say, make it say what we want it to say, but the implication is that we must be careful to speak the gospel truthfully. There's so many verses we could look at in the Bible that talk about how we proclaim the gospel and how we need to, to, to um, take the gospel to the lost with our words, with our witness, and we reveal the message by how we speak, by how we interact with other people. But we do that also by how we live our life, with our testimony. Notice the end of verse number two. It says, not handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation or showing of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. The way that we live our life is a demonstration of the truth. It's a demonstration of what we really believe. Uh, our testimony of Christian living either reveals our message to the lost or it hides our message from the lost. We need to be a living example of the gospel. Paul's testimony of living for God was that his life lined up with the word of God. Paul said in Acts chapter 26, Herein do I exercise myself. I work at this to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. He was saying, I'm working at having a good testimony. He was, he was careful about how he lived. He was careful about how other people saw his life, and he worked at having a godly testimony. You know, that's something that we ought to do too. We need to be conscious of how we represent Christ in our daily life. We must not only speak the truth, but we must also live out the truth in our daily life. If there's no difference between the way that we live and the way that an unsaved person lives, then an unsaved person will see no reason why they should listen to the gospel. What we say we believe will not matter to them if we are living inconsistently with the Word of God. And so we have a great challenge in this verse to not only speak the truth, but also to live it out, live according to the Word of God in our daily life. Both of those things are necessary if we are going to reveal the message of the gospel to a lost and dying world. You know, it's often been said that your life might be the only Bible that an unsaved person will ever read. Well, your words may be the only witness for Christ that an unsaved person will ever hear. Your life might be the only example of Christ that they will ever see. And so our words can either, and our life, can either bring people to Christ or it can push, away, push people away from Christ. Our life every day makes a difference one day or the other, even when we don't think about it. In the next few verses, we find 
why we need to reveal the message of the gospel. And it's because if we do nothing, the gospel is hidden from those who need it the most. Notice verse number three. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. If we do not reveal the message of the gospel, it's hidden from people who need it. People who don't know Christ are not going to hear about him by watching the news or watching a sports game on the TV. Uh, People who do not know Christ must hear about the love of Christ from someone whose life has been changed by the gospel. That's you. That's me. Look at verse number four. It says, In whom, in, in lost people, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, the Bible calls Satan the God of this world. The devil has a great influence over the hearts and minds of lost people. He blinds them, it says. He distracts them from the truth. He tries to keep people in the dark. And the verse says that he does this, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. Satan does not want people to see the light. Jesus is the light of the world. But Satan does everything he can to keep people from seeing Christ. He wants to keep them blind and in the darkness. How does he do that? Satan could use a person who mocks God, distracts someone else from from the, the gospel. He could use skeptical thinking to blind their mind to the truth. He could use an addiction to deaden their senses. We have huge problems with that where we live in Newfoundland. He could use prosperity and make people think they don't need God's help. He could use false teaching to um, deceive hearts from the truth. He could use a self-sufficient attitude to make people think, oh, I've got everything I need. I don't need God. He could use business or pleasure or philosophy or pride or any number of things to try to keep people away from Christ. Um, he, he blinds people to the truth. He does not want people to see Jesus. Satan does not want you and I to tell other people about Jesus either. And that's why he attacks Christians and tries to get us defeated and discouraged so that we give up. He does not want people to know that Jesus loves them, that he died for them to pay for their sin, that he rose again for them, and that if they trust Christ as their Savior, they can spend eternity in heaven with him. He wants to keep that message, the good news, the gospel, hidden. And if we are not careful to reveal the message of the gospel, it stays hidden from people who need it the most. We must represent Jesus Christ to the world. If we fail to do that, people continue to be deceived and will spend eternity in the lake of fire. We must make sure by the way that we live, by the way that we talk, by the way that we act, that we are a living reflection of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light of the world, but he wants us to be a candle on a hill as well to spread that light farther into a dark and dying world. Can other people see Christ in you? Can they see him in me? Can they see a difference in our life? Or is the gospel hidden? Look also at verse number five. It says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Notice first it says we preach not ourselves. That simply means we shouldn't try to promote ourselves as we reveal the message of the gospel. We don't serve the Lord to try to gain attention from other people. Look at how good I am. Look at how spiritual I am because of what I do for God. That's not what it's about. 
It says we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord. Does your life promote Jesus? Or does it take attention away from him? Do our words and our actions point people to Christ or point people away from him? Verse 5 continues and says, We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Now Paul was demonstrating his heart for service. He was perhaps the most well-known apostle. He wrote almost half the New Testament. and um, uh, God used him in so many ways to spread the gospel through the known world at the time to many places. But he said, I'm just a servant. I'm willing to serve because that is how we can advance the cause of Christ. He was willing to serve others as he served the Lord. Sometimes we think serving the Lord, well, that's just what, that's what pastor does. That's what a missionary does. That's what, that's what we do when we come to church on Sunday. We help in the nursery or we sing in the choir. That's serving God. But, you know, when we serve other people, that advances the cause of Christ. When we serve other people for the cause of Christ, we can have an opportunity to show them God's love, make a difference in their life. When we use the abilities and the talents that we have to serve others, we do it for His sake. That's demonstrating God's love to other people. Ministry and serving God is all about Jesus. It's all about others, and it's not about us. Notice the end of verse number 5 says, We do these things for Jesus' sake. That's the motivation. That's the driving force behind doing anything for God. It's for His sake, not for our sake. It's for Him. You know, Jesus did some things for our sake. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse number 9 says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. That verse is simply talking about how Jesus left everything He had in the, in, in the glories of heaven. He came down to this earth to die on the cross to pay for our sin. It was for our sake, so that we could be saved. What can we do for His sake to show our gratitude for His love? We can serve God. We can serve others. We can do something to reveal the message to lost people. Why should we do all of these things? Verse number 6 says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The God who created the world shined the light of the gospel into your heart, into my heart. And when we trusted Christ as our Savior, He gave us an opportunity to serve, to serve others, to serve Him. And we should serve Him because He saved us. We must recognize our ministry. We must reveal our message to a world that needs Christ. But as we do those things, number three, we must rely on God's mercy. Rely on God's mercy. We need God's mercy to enable us as we preach the message. We need God's mercy to enable us as we do the ministry that God has given to us. Notice again verse number one. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We need God's help to do God's work. We can't do it on our own. Um, and so God gives us His mercy, His grace, His help. Um, God's mercy helps us to keep going, to be faithful to the Lord, even when it's difficult. When the ministry is hard and when people don't want to listen to the message, 
We need God's mercy. Human effort, our own strength, our own willpower, our own determination to do something will only take us so far, whether that's just trying to live the Christian life or trying to be faithful to serve others or trying to be a testimony or a witness to the lost. Our effort, our own strength only gets us so far, but we need God's mercy. We need his grace. We need his ability to serve him. It's only by the grace and the enablement of the Holy Spirit that we can serve God and others. It's not always easy. It's not always easy to serve the Lord when you've had a really difficult week. We might not always feel like serving God and helping others when we're facing a difficult situation in our personal life, but because of God's mercy, we can be faithful to serve him. We can be faithful to serve others. We can be faithful to, um, to, to reach out to the lost because of the mercy of God. We have received mercy, it says, so we faint not. The rest of this chapter talks about how Paul was able to do that. He served the Lord for a lifetime, and it was because he relied on God's mercy. Let's just quickly read part of it, verse number 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That's simply saying we have the treasure of the gospel in an earthly vessel ourself, a broken, imperfect vessel that God wants to use. And if we let God use us to take the gospel to others, the excellency of his power can be seen through us. Verse number eight says we are troubled and and. and as you read these next couple of verses, this is talking about the difficulties Paul faced as he did God's work. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. In Paul's experience, he endured a lot of problems, problems that were far beyond what we have experienced. But God's mercy is what helped him keep going through it all. The message of the gospel had to be preached. People needed to hear the, the gospel. The work of the ministry had to be done. And it was God's mercy that carried him through. How did Paul rely on God's mercy? Skip down to verse number 16. It says, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For this cause, the sake of the gospel, for the glory of God, that is why he said, we don't faint. For the cause of Christ, we don't faint. That's, that's the same thing as he said in verse number one. We faint not. It means we don't lose heart. We don't give up. We're not going to throw in the towel. We're not going to get discouraged and defeated. And it wasn't because he was determined to do something. It wasn't because he was just, you know, trying to soldier through the problem and just do it on his own. But he didn't faint. He didn't lose heart because of the mercy of God that carried him through. He said, our outward man perish, referring to the problems, the physical difficulties that he faced. Um, the problems that Paul faced were enormous. Uh, he, was, he was stoned and left for dead. He was run out of town. He was shipwrecked several times. He was beaten with rods. And all the, the different persecutions and things that he faced, they caused him physical problems. They caused him emotional pain, mental distress. And those things took their toll on him. But he refused to lose heart. He said, even though our outward man feels like is perishing, 
yet the inward man is renewed day by day. What was it that did the renewing? It was the mercy of God, the help of God, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. Paul learned to live by faith one day at a time. Each day might have brought a new persecution, a new difficulty, a new trial, a new problem, but each day also brought a new supply of God's grace and God's help and God's mercy. He learned to draw his strength from the indwelling Holy Spirit. As he fulfilled the ministry that God gave him, he relied on God's mercy. As he preached the message of the gospel, he relied on God's mercy. God's mercies were new every morning. Like the Bible says, great is thy faithfulness. He could wait on the Lord and his strength would be renewed like the eagle. He could sing in the middle of the night, bound in prison because of God's mercy. He could get back up and keep preaching after being mobbed because of God's mercy. He could keep going from place to place preaching the gospel even when angry crowds ran him out of town because of God's mercy. He could deal with the daily problems and not lose heart because of God's mercy. You know, that's how you and I can face the circumstances of life and not faint, not give up, not quit because of God's mercy. That's how we can serve God faithfully by God's mercy. That's how we can reveal the message of the gospel to a world that needs it by God's mercy. That's how we can do those things and not give up, not faint, not lose heart because the inward man is renewed day by day by the mercy of God. Paul learned to depend on the mercy and the help of God. Yes, the problems were still there. The difficulties were still there as he served the Lord, but he learned to focus on God instead of focusing on the problems. Look at his outlook on life, verse number 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Notice the contrast in those verses. He said the problems are a light affliction, they're but for a moment. Now, most of us reading through the life of Paul in the Bible, we wouldn't call the, the difficulties he faced in ministry a light affliction. They were major problems. But he said, even those things are working against him. He said, they're but for a moment, but the glory of heaven is eternal, and the blessings of God exceed the, the difficulties and the problems that we face now. If you were to take a scale and you put the weight of our light afflictions on one side of the scale, and as the verse says, you take the exceeding eternal weight of glory and you put that on the other side of the scale, there's just no comparison. When you, when you learn to measure the problems in comparison to eternity, the problems are just really insignificant. That's a spiritual viewpoint that we get when we rely on the mercy of God. That's how we can view life when our inward man is renewed day by day. The things that he, he Paul learned to, to walk by faith and not by sight. He learned to stop looking at the problems and look at the God who is beyond the problems. You know, when we look at the problems that we face, whether we're trying to serve God or serve someone else or try to be a testimony and a witness to the lost we look at the difficulties that we might face when we do those things. <clears throat> We're walking by sight. But when we learn to look at God, 
who's beyond and above those problems, in control of those problems, we can walk by faith. Paul could walk by faith because of the mercy of God. He could continue in a lifetime of ministry because of the mercy of God. You know, the day and age in which we live is no friend to Christianity. I believe that time is short. Jesus is coming soon. But until that day when he comes, there are over 8 billion people alive on earth. I, I, don't even, I can't even understand a, a number that big. 8 billion people. And they need to hear the gospel. Some of them live right here in your town. Some of them live in my town in Newfoundland. And if we're going to do something <clears throat> to help reach them, we must recognize our ministry. God has given to each one of us something that we can do to serve others. And so we ought to be looking for what we can do to minister and serve God and serve others. But we must also reveal the message. God has given us the good news that Jesus saves. And if we don't proclaim that to others, it's the gospel is hidden from the lost. As we do the ministry that God gives to us, and as we proclaim the message of God's love, we must rely on God's mercy. <clears throat> it's God who enables what we do. If we um, try to do God's work in our own strength by ourselves, we will faint. We'll lose heart. We'll give up. We'll give in. But he said we don't have to faint because of God's mercy. There have been many times on the mission field when we felt worn down and faint, exhausted. But the only thing that helps us to keep going for the Lord is God's mercy and God's strength. <clears throat> God promises to be an unfailing resource of help to those who trust him. Maybe today you realize there's something more you can do to serve the Lord. Even just something simple. Every one of us can do something to serve God. Maybe you're a young person or, or any age person and God has called you to serve him full time and that's great. But even if he hasn't, everyone can do something to serve God. God has a ministry and a message for every one of us to share with others. Maybe you've been serving the Lord faithfully for many years. You've grown weary and well-doing. Rely on God's mercy because he'll help us do the work that he's called us to. Let's close in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your mercy. We thank you for this passage that gives us both a challenge to serve you and also the resources we need to serve you. And Lord, we know that um, each one of us can do something, even a simple thing, to serve you for the cause of Christ and show your love to others. We know that each one of us has the message of the gospel and we can do something to share it with others. And I pray you'd help us to learn to rely on you and your mercy and your help to do your work because we cannot do it on our own. Thank you for entrusting us with the gospel. Help us to be, <clears throat> excuse me, help us to be faithful to serve you and to uh, trust you for your help as we do so. Bless us now as we close in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor.